Welcome to the Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. Welcome to Behind the Curtain Podcast. My name is Brett Bernard, and today in the studio with me is Tina Tallarico, and we're going to be talking about types of loans for commercial lending, investor loans. We'll do other segments dealing with interest rates, types of properties. Uh, it's going to be very extensive, so if you're interested in, in uh, commercial lending and buying multiple properties or a single property, then hopefully today's segment will give you some insight as to what to look for. So today with me is Tina Tallarico. She's with Capital City Mortgage. She's a certified commercial loan officer. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you've been in this business a long time. We've known each other, I don't know, few years and you've worked with my partner Glenn a few years so tell us about yourself I have been in the lending business for over 25 years a little over 25 years I started out as a residential loan officer years ago and I transitioned over into commercial and when you say commercial you're talking a broad commercial type of lending or are you specific to a certain type of we do a broad type of lending in commercial however I specialize in residential because that's what I know and that's mm-hmm. what I've done for so many years. So if I have an investor so, wants to buy a strip mall, y'all provide financing for that as absolutely. well as. Yes. The majority of what you do is single family, multifamily rental real estate, correct? Short term and long term. Short term and long term. That's, okay. that's correct. Yes. Gotcha. So when it comes down to the lending, what I'm more interested in is the type of loans. I get calls every day from investors, current investors and new investors that have, have linked up with us that want to start buying in Memphis. And they always have the same issue. Last year, I had a ton of cash buyers, so I didn't have a need for a lender connection. This year, now that interest rates are up, and (laughs) you would think that it would be the worst time to buy real estate, I have a lot of investors that are buying, and they're all putting loans out. Some are paying cash and refining, and we'll get into that in a minute. So what kind of loans are available? So I come to you as a new investor. I've never bought a rental property in my life. I have a good credit score and some money in the bank, and I want to buy a rental property tomorrow. What would your suggestion for me be? What would you recommend I do? Well, I would recommend you start out with one property and take a hold of it and manage it for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Get your feet wet first. And then from then on, I mean, you can qualify for as many properties as you want to purchase, regardless of your uh, income. Because we don't require tax returns. Everything we do is based on the performance of the property. It's and your credit score, score, obviously. Credit, credit score. Credit score. and uh, But we do down to 620. So we do hmm. offer loans down to 620. Of course, the, the terms are better when, you, when you're over 700 you sure. score. Uh, however, uh, we, do, we do loans down to 620. In some cases, the, the loan to value is a little bit less, uh, maybe 5% less. Uh, we offer 80, 80% on a single family one to four units, short-term, long-term rentals, which would be, uh, short-term would be like Airbnbs. Uh, we do a lot of that. And a lot of duplexes, mm-hmm. fourplexes. When you get to five units, that falls into another realm. Uh, one to four units is, is, is pretty slam dunk deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically the criteria is pretty loose, I would say, um, to get financing. But is there a particular type of property that lenders won't touch? Is there, a, uh, is there a cap on the, or a minimum amount that is required if you're buying just one house versus if you're buying 10? 
We have some options um, that will lend down to 50000 Some cut off at 100000 and uh, some of uh, the options out there are at 150000 We're working one now, and I think you said the minimum is sixty two five. Yes, sixty two five with 20% down takes you down to a... $50,000 loan. So 50000 is the minimum loan that we can do. So if I'm buying a package of 10 and they're all $49,000, I'm kind of SOL. Yes. Pretty much. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, so let's discuss the, the, the types of loans that are available. I know they're, you know, I had a text from someone yesterday asked me what I thought about an ARM loan. I'm from the 2008 era where arm loans were a disaster for a lot of homeowners because things collapsed and interest rates shot up and, and all of a sudden they couldn't afford their home and they went into foreclosure. So I'm a I'm an anti-arm loan person. But in the commercial side and the investment side, I tend to think that arm loans may not be a horrible product because typically you buy a property you mortgage it, and then every couple of years, you're going to refinance it to, to maximize your cash flow, right? You're always going to try to bring your costs down to get more cash flow. So what is an arm loan? Most people know what arm loan is, but what's the term of an arm loan? In other uh, words, if I got an arm loan today, when could I refinance that arm? Uh, it depends on uh, if there's a prepayment penalty that comes with the loan. But isn't there a uh, limit to the we, prepayment penalty as uh, far as time? There is. They come, they come in one, uh, three, and five-year terms. Okay. So you can buy that prepayment penalty out uh, or negotiate the prepayment penalty. Is it a percentage so of the amount? It is. Uh, either you can buy it out uh, in some cases with uh, extra cash or go with a, a slightly higher rate. So uh, we're talking maybe uh, three-eighths of a point uh, will uh, help buy some of that out. So typically, uh, an investor is not going to refinance it within the first 12 months. So a one-year prepayment penalty is not so bad. But um, if you're planning on doing anything with the property, just, uh, you know, make sure you don't, you're don't. you not stuck in that prepayment penalty because that, the way that works is that uh, if you have a three-year prepayment penalty, uh, the first year you pay 3% of the principal balance to be able to pay that loan off early. Um, you can pay up to 20% annually towards the, the principal and not be hit with that penalty. However, if you pay more than 20% towards the principal uh, in the first year, uh, then you're going to be hit with that uh, 3%. The second year, it goes to 2%. And the third year, it goes to 1%. And then, of course, after the, the three-year period is up, then you have So the arm penalty. loans don't have to be dangerous if you're smart about them. That's right. And uh, I've always been um, against uh, really anti-arm, you know, would talk people through it and say, are you sure? Because uh, it's, it's a risky loan. It yeah. is. It's a risky loan. However, it's not risky for investors. It's risky for homeowners because they they don't they uh, they don't manage their money as well. That's just not producing and, any income, right? And uh, they may not be in a position to refinance the loan when it uh, becomes in the adjustable period. And arm loans uh, are three, five, seven, and ten year arms. So that means they're fixed during that period. And then after that period, they become adjustable. Some of them adjust once every six months. Some of them adjust once a year. So if I do a three-year arm, I have an adjustable period, a guaranteed period of six months. After that, it can be adjusted up to 
whatever. You have a guaranteed uh, a period of, of a minimum of three years or a minimum of five years or seven okay. years or ten so years. So, on loans aren't so bad. It's a fi- it's fixed during that so entire So, if I refinance and had three years when my, when my arm starts to adjust... I've got a prepayment penalty, but you weigh that against your additional cash flow you can create by That's lowering true. the interest rate. And, and there's another plus to that as well. Fully amortized loans are always good because, you know, 30-year amortized loan, it's going to let you see that cash flow pretty good. However, um, you know, after that adjustable period, whatever term is left on the loan, for instance, you have a five-year arm. Um, when the five years is up, it becomes adjustable. And if the market is doing better than what your rate is, it may not adjust It may adjust down. It, yeah, arm, arm loans got a bad name because when the economy started collapsing, the housing market collapsing, interest rates started shooting up. And now all of a sudden, a homeowner who had a note of $1,800 a month, it was now 2600 2700 and they couldn't pay it. Right. And that's what Glenn and I did for a long time over at the law firm Leonard Van Eaton is we assisted homeowners in fighting the banks to try to get those and listen i i know a couple mortgage brokers who hopefully are in jail (laughs) who made a lot of money selling arm loans but they sold them under a false pretense the the angle was oh yeah do an arm loan because they made more money on it but oh yeah three years from now i'll just refinance you into a permanent loan so take advantage of this arm loan knowing that it was very slim chance they were going to be able to find them a better product when everything started adjusting upward. That's true. And you never know if their income is going to be the same. Uh, This is a homeowner that I'm referring mm -hmm. to. Um, uh, Their income may have changed. They may not be able to debt ratio. The market might have turned. Their house uh, value might not be there. There are multiple reasons why a a homeowner, I'm really against a homeowner doing an arm loan mm-hmm. unless they're very financially savvy and they have plenty of, of cash reserves. Uh, however, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of investors right now going with the arm loans because typically, uh, historically, an investor is is going to keep a loan maybe five or ten years and they'll flip it and sell it and get their investment out of it once that equity grows and turn around and I'm seeing them upgrade uh, to a little bit more expensive properties. So they'll sell those uh, beginner homes that they start with. Uh, they'll draw the cash out of those, sell them and take that money and invest it in, in more homes um, of, of another level. I now am a, a fan when it comes to uh, investors on uh, arm loans. A typical investor does not keep a loan for 30 years. Sure, no. Well, let me ask so, you this. We talked about the negatives of arm loans. What are the what would you classify as advantages of doing an arm loan? The advantages of doing an arm loan, uh, we offer interest only. So if you're looking to really turn some cash and uh, see that cash flow coming in pretty good, if you do an interest only, you're not paying towards the principal, do an interest only loan uh, and do an arm, this is really a win-win situation. Uh, And you can pay principal toward it if you want. Yes, you can up to twenty percent annual. But you're you're required only to pay the interest on the loan itself. That's correct. So so you have a lower payment, um, and not only that, um, you you know you just see more cash flow. And so that I'm seeing a lot of that right now. They're taking that money, uh, they're that they're saving on those properties, paying interest only, and they're uh, taking that cash flow and they're fixing other properties. 
uh, or taking that and putting it back and purchasing more. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've enlightened me on ARM loans. I, like I said, I just got a text from one of my investors yesterday. Somebody you're actually working with was asking me about an ARM loan. I'm like, well, you know, I'm not a big fan. But, you know, if you look at it from a cash flow perspective, which leads me into my next uh, discussion about I get investors a lot that call me. And for the last several years, they're always focused on market value. Now, market value matters if you're getting a mortgage because you've got to get it appraised. But at the end of the day, all that should matter to any investor is if, if the house is worth 110 and you pay 115 for it, but it's producing $1,500 a month in income, who cares about the market value? Because that asset is going to continue to grow. Comps are going to grow. Values and rent comps are also going to grow. So it turns into, so in that situation, I would tell that investor if, if they can get a, a loan based on $110,000 value, I would tell them to pay the extra 5000 out of pocket because the RRI is, is so much better off than what you normally can get in Memphis. Um, the Memphis market is not slowing down. It's slowed down some, the owner occupant has, but the investment side is still booming. It definitely is booming. And uh, I ask um, all of my investors, I had a uh, an investor who sold his properties in other cities. Uh, he had a 1031 and he said, hey, I have six months to spend this money and I need to kind of roll with it. I need to buy five properties uh, quick and in a hurry and I asked him what what brought him to Memphis uh, he's from Florida I asked him what brought him to the Memphis area had a guy in New York did the same thing I asked him you know why Memphis and uh, they said that uh, they bought a couple of properties in Memphis or had friends that uh, bought properties in Memphis and they uh found that the real estate is is very inexpensive here property taxes are reasonable uh and they see a a, a bigger cash flow you so know why, why memphis, memphis is a hot memphis is a hot market for a lot of reasons i tell investors the main reason for me is because 49 percent of the people inside the city limits rent that is so true it's a fact so when you have a huge renter pool guess what your house doesn't stay empty long well the faster you can rent a house at top cash flow because renters are competing for properties, you're getting top rent. Well, when you get top rents, guess what happens? That then begins to slowly push up the values. So there's always a positive side of the Memphis market. In 2008, the investment market in Memphis saw an 18% drop when the rest of the country was 30, 40, 50, 60%. I attribute that to the fact we have a large renter pool, so the investment properties stayed pretty firm. I mean, they, they lost value, but in, let's see, I was 2008, by 2000, 2010, we were already back where we originally started. By 2012, we exceeded it by the 18 or 20 percent we lost. So, whoever bought during that time would see a 40 or 50 percent increase in value, rents, and everything else. I don't know why so many people rent. Um, I just I just know that Memphis is a distribution city. You got FedEx, Nike, Amazon. I mean, the list is long. A worldwide company, every worldwide company has probably got a distribution facility here. So a lot of those folks work in distribution. They drive forklifts, trucks, load boxes, work in lower management, um, work on a line somewhere, or you know they're in the service industry. They live paycheck to paycheck. So yeah, there may be a month where the car breaks down and your rent comes on the 15th instead of the 1st or the 5th, but the asset itself is overall is outperforming pretty much any other market in the country. And the reason that a lot of those industry workers rent or other other uh, job fields, the reason that they rent is that they uh, are not able to save money for a down payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, sellers are not out there paying closing costs anymore, so they need more out of pocket to purchase now. And uh, a lot of them have good credit, 
but they can't debt ratio because they sure. buy the big fancy car. And there's a couple of reasons why that they actually can't buy. Um, and then some of them don't want to buy because they don't want the responsibility of the maintenance uh, and they don't want to be tied down. Uh, and uh, another thing that I've seen, too, about investment properties in the Memphis area is they don't sit vacant for very long, Mm-mm. you know, at all. There was actually a news article, I forgot what, what paper it was in, about a, a rental housing shortage in Memphis. And I, used to, I know the management company here was getting people throwing applications on homes before they even see them because it's so competitive. They were just throwing application after application after application. I mean, they were spending three, four, five, six hundred dollars on application fees just trying to get a house because it was so competitive. Now, it slowed down a little bit, uh, and I believe that's because tenants are kind of a wait and watch. Like to them, they, they watch the news every evening, and to them, the world's coming to an end. It's falling apart, so they're not picking up stakes and moving anywhere, which is good for investors because you're getting tenants that are staying longer. But all these tenants stay at their job. They, you know, when the economy crashes, guess what? FedEx, Nike, Amazon, they all still have to keep shipping. They all still have to keep working, which means their employees still have to go to work every day and they have a job. That is way different than some of these other markets where you have so many self-employed people and, and their their livelihoods are so volatile, dependent on the, the market and what's going on in the economy. FedEx is never going to stop shipping. Nike's never going to stop selling shoes. Amazon's never going to stop shipping products. And that those two big facilities out there in Raleigh, you know, people go to work. They went to work during COVID. They went to work now that the interest rates are high. They go to work because the gas prices are high. Inflation's up. Economy's not doing well. But they're still having to go to work every day. So the good news is, is you get tenants that can pay their rent. We do have a number of Section 8 type tenants in in certain areas, um, low income, but the majority, I would say, of the tenants that are in my investors' homes work at FedEx, work at Nike, work at Amazon, work at St. Jude, uh, or in the service industry somewhere. So uh, if you're listening in, a good good place to, to, to look at is Memphis. My name is Brett Bernard. I'm with EPM Real Estate. I am an investment agent. I deal with investors around the world, across the country, helping them buy and sell portfolios here in the Memphis market. I can be reached directly at 901. 901- one six nine two seven four zero one, and then with me today is my guest is Tina Tallarico with Capital City Mortgage. She is a certified loan officer, and uh, her specialty is in residential, but she also does commercial. So, Tina, give your information out so if someone has a question, they can call you. My telephone number is nine zero one eight two six seven two one eight, and you could reach me at that number anytime. All right. So uh, I would encourage you to, to reach out to Tina. I've sent. A number of investors to her recently uh, on package deals and onesie twosies, and she's done a phenomenal job of finding the right product for them. And I will say something about Tina versus most loan officers: if she doesn't think it's a good deal for you, she's going to tell you. So she'll she'll be honest with you and say, "Look, I mean, I, the true story. I have one investor I sent to you. You told him flat out you might be better off going to a local bank. He did. He went to his credit union and got a better deal and got his loan done. We're about to close that one. Um, so Tina will be direct and honest with." and I appreciate that about her. So, all right, well, we're going to wrap this segment up. So if you're interested in talking about it, 901-692-7401, give me a call or find us online at epmrealestate.com. If you go to that website, go to the second picture, which is the best looking guy in the group. That's me. My my cell number's on there. There's a little bio about me. Um, Tina, why don't you give out your website as well? 
It's www.capitalcitymortgage.com. And if we can get you lined up and decide you're buying, I'll send you to Tina and she can get your loan set up for you and give you your options. Appreciate you listening today. You all have a great day. Thank you for listening to Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real world guide to real estate investment and property management. Be sure to subscribe at BehindTheCurtainPodcast.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Enterprise Property Management's real estate services, please visit us on the web at epmrealestate.com. This has been a Sound Ideas Group production for Enterprise Property Management, Inc. We'll be